Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hello, once again, Chris Malone from the 98.5 KTK Morning Show, and you have got it. Your recap for Tuesday, February 28th, 2023. Talked a little bit about the latest scam that actually caught Google off guard, at least according to this article I was reading, and it makes a lot of sense because scammers always find the Achilles heel or the simple, uh, the easy way to exploit something that is uh, in, in, in the public domain. And this one has to do with those ads that you see after you've done a, a, a worldwide search. Usually, if you like on Google, if you search sushi restaurants, um, the search results will have the, the results, but also near the top of the page, you'll have a marking that will say either sponsored or ad, but it will have one or two of those particular restaurants. And the idea being that, you know, if you click on those ads, well, then uh, Google gets a little something, something for the uh, for putting it up front for you to see, which is totally fine. I'm all on board with this. But this is where the scam comes in. And it's kind of caught everyone off guard. So let's say let's, we're looking up a sushi restaurant, okay? And we go to a web, we, we click on the, on the, uh, on the sponsor site of a, of a sushi restaurant, and we see that uh, well, you know, we can get everything we want. You go ahead and you, you, everything looks legit. You put in your order. They take your credit card and they say, you know, you're, you're confirmed with an order. Well, and in essence, that is what happened. But what the scammer will do is they'll mirror one of these legit websites. And what they'll do is they will change the prices. So instead of like, let's say, a California roll, $5, they will say it's $5.50. Something you really wouldn't think about is a little bit higher online because you're ordering online. Who knows? Whatever. The whole idea is that they will then do that. And then when you are charging, let's say, $30 for food, they'll go ahead and get the order. They'll actually place the order with the legit restaurant so you get your food when you go pick it up or have it delivered. But instead of the $30 they charged you, it only cost $25 for the restaurant. They pocket the extra five bucks. See how this works and how it can go on for years. It's called micro theft. And scammers are getting smart. Instead of going for the big whale or the big fish or the big payout once in a while, why not get a little bit every now and then and lay low? And that's what's caught Google off guard because this has been brought to their attention, according to this article I'm referring to, and um, nothing has been done. So in the meantime, a couple things that you and I need to do is to, if you are going to, you probably want to skip skip the, the, the ads portion of any sort of a, a search engine results, just for now until they get this thing taken care of. But if you do decide that you do want to 
um, use their services, be very careful about the web address. Look at the web address that it sends you to. And you're going to look for subtle changes like perhaps uh, an, uh, a zero instead of an O in the address or a whole bunch of numbers or characters that you normally wouldn't see in a website. That is a red flag to say that you're probably going to be scammed uh, out of some money. Uh, let's talk about uh, buying a vehicle because it is a big deal, especially now that car prices are super expensive. What were they? I think there was an article I, w- I was reading that the average the average monthly payment for a car now spreading six years, possibly going to seven. The average is seven hundred dollars a month. Holy smokes, that's a lot of money. So you want to make sure that the car you're getting, or the truck, or the van, or the SUV you're getting is well worth your money. Okay, you got to research the make and model. Um, and then when you finally figure out which one you want, you got to go to the dealer. You got to figure out the de- negotiate the best price, um, you know, and, and get the best for your trade in and all that. And a lot of times we overlook the maintenance costs that are involved with the car because we tend to think, well, you know, it's got a warranty; it'll be taken care of. That's fine. That's that, that's great for big things, but things that we can't control and you have to uh, budget for are going to be gas because gas prices go up or down. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, you also have insurance. Go up or down based on the car. I've, I've had my insurance adjust, adjust quite often based on the number of claims that my car has been serviced by my particular insurance agency. Um, so there was a, you know, these are the, the costs that you don't think about that you really should consider. Car Edge, which is an automotive research company, actually looked at the over 300 makes and models of cars that are on the market, and they looked at the ownership costs over a 10 year period. So what they found was that over 10 years, the uh, cheapest car to maintain is the Toyota Prius. They, have, they expect that it'll add about $4,000 over the 10-year life of you owning a car, which is not a lot of money if you think about it. Um, number two on the list is the Toyota Yaris, followed by the Corolla, the Prius Prime, and the Toyota Camry, rounding out the top five with the lowest-priced models. And when you can, uh, when you consider the fact that the most expensive in maintenance dwarfs that, it really is uh, eye opening. What this uh, data found as for the most expensive car to maintain over a decade happens to be the Dodge Ram thirty five hundred. Its maintenance costs just under twenty six thousand dollars a year uh, over ten years. Holy smokes! Followed by the Ram 2500, the Ram 5500, the Ram 4500, and the Ram Promaster cargo van. So apparently, if you're looking to buy a, a Ram truck, you really do need to consider the extra costs in maintenance, fuel, repairs, uh, you, you, you name it, oil changes in particular. And when you consider that AAA says that drivers will spend about an average of $9.68 per mile of car maintenance uh, over the the life of a car. That means the average cost uh, for car maintenance for 10 years is $14,520. So that's kind of your barometer. Anything below that means it's a better deal. Anything over that means you're going to be paying a lot of money. We talked a bit about some parenting as well. Uh, Trying to morph and replace the word no with the word yes, which sounds... Super easy on paper, a little bit more difficult in reality because you do spend a lot of time saying no. No, you can't go outside. No, you can't have cake for for dinner. Uh, No, 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 no. And what this kind of talks about, which I agree with, is to it says that you say no so often 
that you lose the punch that it has when you have a legitimate no response. Kind of like, uh, you know, when you are, you've been told not tell your kids to be careful because it really means nothing to them. You need to say, make sure you look both ways before you cross a road. Instead of just saying, be careful before you cross the road because you're being specific. And that's kind of along the line, same lines was saying morphing uh, no into yes, because it will make things much easier for you, especially when you need the word no to work. In other words, saying yes most of the time can help, uh, it can help handle the times when you have that no, it's super impossible to, 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 to stress the, 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 uh, the importance of it. Uh, sorry about that. I lost my chain of thought for just a second. But in any case, um, what it is true, and, I, and this is kind of the, the example I, I gave on the air. It talks about how you can turn a, a no into yes. So let's say your child wants to go outside and it's the, the room's messy. And you would just say, "Can I, you know, dad or mom, can I go outside? No, you can't. You need to clean your room. So instead of saying no, you can say, yes, you can go outside. However, <laughs> you need to clean your room first. And that's how you change the, the mentality of saying no all the time. And the idea is that when you do need to have a legit no, um, you're not going to get much pushback because it's a word they normally don't hear. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This was a fun one to me because it actually talks about the origins of some nicknames that to me don't really make sense. I mean, like my nickname if you want to call it that, is, is Chris. My, my real name, full name, is Christopher, but Chris Tefer. It would be simple to just cut off Chris, and there's my nickname, and people just call me Chris, and that's fine, everything. And it kind of works for Ed, for Edward, uh, or, you know, Meg for Margaret, or Marge for Margaret. Um, for some of the um, the nicknames don't make a lot of sense. Like, how did Margaret, how did Penny become a nickname for Margaret? Or how did Dick become a nickname for Richard? And it all has to do with the evolution of our language. Uh, mainly because Richard is probably one of the oldest and most popular names that we have in English. It was used very, very often. And back in the medieval and Middle Ages, we didn't have the fax machine or you didn't have a copier. You didn't even have the Gutenberg, Gutenberg Press. You had people that if you needed to write something, you had a lot to write. So you instead of using eight letters for Richard, perhaps, we just cut it in half, kind of like with Christopher, and make it rich. So it makes it much easier for a scribe to write down things all the time. One of the common themes uh, back in, in English, back in Middle Ages, is that they would kind of rhyme things. If you listen to the Australian language, a lot of it's rhymey, brecky, quicky quacky, stuff like that. Um, and that's kind of how English evolved eventually, originally. So you would have nicknames like Rich or Rick, and you would kind of rhyme it. Rich, uh, or rather uh, Dick, would be uh, uh, rhyming with Rick. Uh, Hick would be with Rich, and Hitch would be with Ditch. 
and rich, stuff like that. Well, over time, I guess the only one that really stuck was Dick with Rick. And in essence, that is how we came up with the nickname of Richard being Dick. In fact, it was so popular, it spun the uh, the phrase that we know so well as every Tom, Dick, and Harry that was used in medieval times to describe every person. Also, the rhyming, it gave us uh, how we got the nickname Ted from Ed and Meg from Margaret or Madge, which actually morphed into Peg or Peggy, which is why some people named Margaret nicknames are Peggy. Besides rhyming, letter swapping was also commonplace with nicknames. And this is something I didn't know for the longest time. You know, like when you're at the medieval fair and they have ye old bathroom or ye old shop, ye was never an English language word. Y-E was um, actually what, when you had the Gutenberg press back in the Middle Ages, T-H-E, the, the, the sound, th, is a completely English word, and it is very difficult to translate. So when you were talking about the Gutenberg press, which was all German, Germanic words, um, they didn't have a character for the th sound, or the. The closest they had was putting Y and E together. So Y-E together was actually supposed to be a substitute for the word the, T-H-E. But I digress. Back to our naming thing. Um, besides, uh, you know, we, we would just swap out letters. And a lot of it came down to, once again, kind of hard and soft sounds for English words. For the letter B is a hard consonant. And a W is a soft, which means if you were to take one of the more popular names of William and call the nickname of Will, it didn't really have much of a punch. However, Will rhymes with Bill, and Bill is actually something you can swap the letters for to be more powerful. So that's why Bill became the nickname for William. Uh, Jack was a generic name for peasants back in the Middle Ages as well, which is why we had Lumberjack and Steeplejack. They didn't really want to know your name. They just knew that's what you did. <laughs> so uh, you had Jack as a common name for just a peasant. Um, and then a little later in time, John Doe became a generic form for a, present, for a peasant as well. So you had John and Jack, kind of interchangeable names for peasants, and therefore the interchangeable nickname became available. And then there's nicknames we have no idea how they spun up, which would be the one as to why Jim is the nickname for James. They don't really connect. They don't rhyme. There's no letter swaps. Well, was the second letter swap, but no one really knows. That's been lost to the uh, to time. And then finally, we learned about the Mattel theme park that is set to open in Glendale, Arizona. It's supposed to have already been opened. It was a part of uh, uh, the big Super Bowl. They were going to cash in on the uh, influx of people visiting uh, Glendale for the Super Bowl that happened this month. But it never happened because it never was, it wasn't opened. And that looks like it's going to be next year. But still, a fantastic um, Mattel Adventure Park will actually feature lands of Hot Wheels, Thomas and Friends, Masters of the Universe, and of course... Barbie. Two Hot Wheels themed roller coasters, a Thomas the Tank Engine ride, which is a more milder roller coaster for the kids, a mini golf course featuring Mattel games like Uno and Pictionary. Uh, why not? It worked for Disney. Might as well do it, Mattel. Uh, get your product out there. How about this? A life-size Castle Castle Grayskull that will be the home of a state-of-the-art laser tag arena. And, of course, we have Barbie with the Barbie Beach House Experience, the Dream Closet a Virtual Ride, and the Rooftop Dining atop of Barbie's Dream House. How cool is that? 
Uh, so go ahead and start making your reservations for next year to head out to Arizona for that one. That's our show for today, Tuesday, February 28th, 2023. I'm Chris Malone. Of course, I always welcome your comments and feedback. You can email me, C-M-A-L-O-N-E, at odyssey.com. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 